welcome to the first episode of Let's Talk Sports. We hope that all of you out there are staying safe and that the show is going to provide you with some much-needed relief given the lack of sports currently going on. My name is Goldie, and I've got my partner here, Sherm. What's going on, guys? Of course, my name's Sherm, like Goldie just said. We've been looking forward to do this podcast for a long time and appreciate you guys for being the first to tune in. The foundation of this podcast is going to be mainly revolved around the NFL, but sports in general. Uh, I, myself, am a Giants fan. I'm a Broncos fan. And of course, the current world of sports right now, everything that's going on has been incredibly unprecedented. However, we want to turn our mind over to some of the positive stuff going on. But before we even get into that, just wanted to give a quick shout out to my guy, Vaughn Miller, recently diagnosed with COVID-19 as of a couple days ago, and he's got some asthma that he's dealing with as well. So prayers out to him and to anyone else affected by this situation. We're wishing for all the best. However, let's get into some of the good stuff here. So we've had an announcement from the Florida governor deeming pro sports as an essential service in Florida. What are your thoughts on that? Yeah, I saw that. I mean, Florida's going to Florida, but that's great for all of us sports fans out there. Kind of opens the door for Dana White and the UFC to swoop in and do some USA-based fights. Mm -hmm. I mean, we all know about the card that he's been looking to fill in on May 6th. It's got Greg Hardy, Ferguson, some other studs. So I'm Man, sure that card is crazy. Nganu, Amanda Nunez, Cejudo, goes on and on. And the international fights as well. We know about Fight Island and how fun that could be if it comes about. And they just filed some trademarks, actually, to get that covered. So it could become yeah. a Yeah, for sure. I'm hoping some of those trademarks could include maybe a reality show or somewhat something documenting what's going on in the island there. That would be nuts. All right. Well, uh, we've already set the scene here with some coronavirus stuff. So let's move into football. Let's start with some college football because the Heisman odds have came out recently. Who do you like for the Heisman? Uh, I definitely like Trevor Lawrence out the gate. I don't know if you saw Justin Fields now moved to the favorite for the Heisman. So I definitely like the value you're getting with Trevor Lawrence. Mm -hmm. How about yourself? Yeah, Trevor Lawrence would be my favorite as well. Uh, not that I would put my money on it, but a sleeper guy to watch out for is Spencer Rattler. I mean, he's had a lot of noise ever since he's been on QB1 on Netflix. Go check it out. It's pretty entertaining. And mm -hmm. you know, he's a pretty good player, but I'm not sure if I'd put him in the fields or Trevor Lawrence talk. But no, if I had to put my money where, where my mouth is, I'd put it on Lawrence. Is he albino? Uh, I actually think he is. He is albino. He is, isn't he? Dust girlfriend that's all over QB1 and just, like, makes everyone hate him. But, like, he's oh, probably... wild. Well, um, let's move into the NFL offseason here. I mean, we're all, you know, really looking forward to the NFL kicking off, if it ever does kick off. But we've had a really entertaining offseason here in the NFL. It might be because we don't have much else to watch, but I've been super entertained. We had a really good start to free agency. Brady really kept us all intrigued with that, you know, prolonged decision his eventual signing in Tampa Bay. But we're going to get into those acquisitions in another episode. What I do want to talk about here is the proposal that the NFL will potentially operate under a shortened season with no fans. What do you think about that? I mean, that'll definitely be interesting. Like, I feel like all sports are going to have to come back with no fans when they first start coming back, which is going to affect them all in a different way. But the NFL is for sure one of the major sports that will be impacted the most. Do you think the NFL might need to do anything to, I guess, lessen the unequitable nature of this circumstance? To elaborate a little, what I mean by that is, like, there are obvious home field advantages in the NFL, and some teams have it more than others. For example, like the Seahawks are known for their 12th man, whereas the Chargers don't really have any fans. So should a team like the Seahawks be allowed to, like, play more fan noise than a team like the Chargers, or do the Chargers just get the benefit of the situation? Uh, I feel like the Chargers are going to end up getting the benefit of the situation regardless of whether or not they play fan noise 
or not, like I I don't think that'll benefit NFL players really. I feel like they need to see the fans like all into it and hear it to really get the full, you know, motivation and experience. Yeah, I'd agree with that. I want to move into some of the best remaining free agents here because unlike most free agencies, we have a lot of key contributors that are going to be productive players in the NFL that are still unsigned as we lead into the NFL draft here, which is coming up this Thursday. Mm -hmm. Who can find for you for some best remaining free agents that you want to keep an eye on? Man, man, as a Giants fan, I'm first and foremost thinking about Marcus Golden. He got his 10 sacks last year. That's a productive edge rusher that we need on the team. So hopefully we can re-sign him. Some other names out there to look at are like Yannick Ngakwe is still out there. Um, I know you said Logan Ryan is still a free agent. That's a big one. Keep in mind with Ngakwe, Ngakwe, he's a trade target, not a free agent, but still definitely on the board. Oh, yeah, he's still under contract. Who I think you were thinking of. Mm. And Clowney, and then there's obviously Cam Newton and Jameis, who are like two of the bigger names to watch here. And I definitely expect both of them to be signed come the start of the season. However, Cam has been overly, you know, overly confident in his ability to wait till the beginning of the season to find the right fit. I don't blame him for doing so because I think we both agree that they're both low caliber starters in this league and deserve to be on an NFL team and potentially in a starting position, dependent on which team it was. So. Oh, for sure. I think both quarterbacks just kind of needed a new opportunity, a new change of scenery. Mm-hmm. I agree with that. So let's move into some hot topics in the NFL here. So it came out a couple days ago, the Seattle Seahawks are looking to imp- increase the amount of route concepts and overall offensive involvement that DK Metcalf had in their offense compared to last season. Do you think Metcalf is a player who can make a big second year jump? I mean, absolutely is one you want to look out for, but you got to remember that this guy couldn't really turn at the combine. So we'll see if these increased routes are going to go so well for him. Mm-hmm. One person I wouldn't doubt is Pete Carroll, because as much as, you know, Metcalf was a bit of a concern in his like three cone drill at the combine, he definitely was far, you know, far exceeded the expectations that many placed on him in his first year in Seattle and was really involved in that offense. And him and Russell seemed to have a connection building already. And I could only imagine it would get better moving into year two. For sure. For sure. If him and Russ can get that connection somewhat more like Russ and Tyler Lockett had it, it would be very nice. Moving on, if you want to talk, I saw Dallas Cowboys, hate to mention them, scumbags, picked up Alden Smith, another fellow scumbag, to join the scumbags. Oh, yeah. And that's not the first. I mean, I had a little short list here of, you know, past drug abusers and domestic violence offenders that the Cowboys have signed, in addition to, you know, the very... It's a long list, let me bet. Yeah, so in, in addition to Alden Smith, we got like Randy Gregory, we've got Rolando McLean. Um, there's definitely at least another notable guy on there. We got Greg Hardy fighting in the UFC, taking his talents to the UFC. Joseph Randall. So yeah, they've got a good list there going with the Cowboys. So I mean, the all, degen- the all, degen- all degenerate team. You should see how many times it can take me to say that. Bro, <laughs> fuck. All right, well... It'll be all Cowboys and Bengals players, the all-degenerate team. The Dallas delinquents. (laughs) All right, moving on. I heard you uh, got that mock draft finished, Mm -hmm. and I heard that you were saying it's better than Todd McShay's. I do think my mock draft is better than Todd's. I think one thing that should be considered with mock drafts is that the real draft often goes a lot differently than what people expect in the mock draft. So I tried to account for that as best as I could with reason. So I'm looking forward to getting into it. 
hundred percent. And if you did copy and paste just someone else's, maybe a Mel Kiper 2.0, like I'll be typing it in and I'll find it out. Okay. Okay. I'd like to find out if anyone's jamming my picks. <laughs> All right, let's get into it. Who do you got going number one? So I got Joe Burrow going number one at LSU. I think he's a great fit, mainly because he's definitely the most polished of the quarterback prospects. He had near flawless season at LSU, very limited injury history. And it's a definite need in Cincinnati, given their lack of offensive production. I think it's a clear-cut number one move. You think there's a possibility he refuses to play in a place like Seattle? I know he's been making a lot of comments like, I'm a winner and all this jazz. I think, I think the Bengals are a very capable team of winning. I think I'd agree. Just in 2012, they were a playoff team. This isn't some team like the Browns who has a, you know, a history of 20 years of losing. Mind you, the Browns are really good before they're losing, but they are a team that's very capable. They have a decent offense, and I expect them to be, you know, not the worst team in the league next year, that's for sure. Yeah, I think about it as in there's worse places he could have ended up as the number one pick. Moving on, Chase Young at two, I presume, to the Redskins, which I'm hoping doesn't happen. Oh, yeah. Chase Young, number two to the Redskins, similarly to the Burrow pick. It's a very clear-cut pick here. I don't really see them going off the board. I tried to get you know creative here, but it really is a need. They have Montez Sweat on one side. That'd be a great guy to pair opposite him. There's a definite need to improve in Washington, and I think that will immediately address it. And he has a potential to be the best player in the draft. Personally, he's not my best player in the draft, but he's definitely a safe pick, and he's going to be a star. Do you think he'll match the production of the first uh, Ohio State edge rushers in their first couple of years, the Bosa's? I've been hearing a lot of comparisons to Joey in particular. Um, they might be true, and he definitely has tape that suggests that he has, you know, elements of his game that are symbolic of Joey. However, he does seem to be at a bit of a different player. He's a lot better against the run from planning of it. So, I mean, he could even be better. I hope he's better. Who do you got the Lions taking, or do you have them trading out? I know this is one of those picks that could trade out. Mm -hmm. So I do have the Lions trading down here, my first trade of the draft. I have the Dolphins trading up to number three with the Lions. I haven't been overly, I haven't really come to a definite conclusion of what the compensation is going to be. There are a couple options I have in mind here. It could be the Lions three for the Dolphins number five pick and their number 26 pick, which is their third pick in the first round. I also could see the Dolphins being insistent on holding on to that pick, potentially packaging together their 39th pick in the second round with maybe a future pick, a second rounder in the next year's draft or something along those lines. But aside from the compensation, I definitely think Tua is the quarterback for them. Before the draft, I think he had a definite case to go number one. And he makes more sense over Herbert. There's a definite need for quarterback. For sure. Couldn't agree more. Tua, he's NFL ready. Mm -hmm. Um, Moving on, who do you got the... Who do you got coming home with a big blue? Let me hear it. Big blue? I got my guy Isaiah Simmons, currently my favorite player. I think he has all pro potential if he's in the right scheme. I think you have to use him like a Swiss Army knife because that's what he is. He's not a true inside linebacker, a true safety. But he's going to play all over the field. He plays defense. He's going to make plays. He's going to make all pros. And he's a stud. And if he doesn't do it in New York, he's going to do it wherever else he gets drafted because whoever's willing to take a chance on him is going to be the team that ends up coming away laughing because they're going to get the best player in the draft. 100%. Couldn't agree more. I love Isaiah Simmons. Mm-hmm. And then Lions traded down to five. So who do you got the Lions taking? Yeah, so with the fifth pick, I have the Lions moving down and getting their guy, their number one need 
a corner. They're going to get Jeffrey Okuda out of Ohio State. I think this is a win-win situation for the Lions. They're going to get their guy regardless, the same guy that would have taken number three if they got stuck there. However, they're going to add some extra compensation through the trade, and it's, it really doesn't work out much better for the Lions. This is exactly how they want it to play out. That would be a big win-win for the Lions fans, for sure. Definitely. Uh, and then number six, Chargers. Who you got? Yes, the Chargers. This pick was a little hard to make. A bit of a bias as a Broncos fan, but I do see them taking Justin Herbert out of Oregon. To me, Tyrod Taylor, although I have a lot of respect for him and think he's very capable of being a starter, I wouldn't consider him a high-caliber starter, and nor do I think he has a definite long-term future in the league. I think Herbert has a ton of potential. He might not come in day one to be the starter, but he'd be a great guy to have do a redshirt year behind Tyrod if that's how you want to go about it. He'll learn a lot, and he definitely has the potential to be that guy for 10-plus years in LA, if that's what you know, if that's what he can develop into, makes sense for me. Mm-hmm. Um, and then seventh pick, who you got the Panthers taken? So the Panthers were an interesting team because I initially thought that they would be a perfect fit for Isaiah Simmons. Of course, given this mock draft, Isaiah Simmons doesn't make it to the Panthers. I have them taking Derek Brown out of Auburn. I think Derek Brown's a dominant force on the inside. The Panthers have a bunch of needs. Their philosophy has changed entirely, given that they switched the realm from Cam Newton over to Teddy Bridgewater. They extended Christian McCaffrey. They've lost Greg Olson. They signed um, they signed Robbie Anderson, which kind of was mainly the reason why I don't think they'll go wide receiver here. Derek mm-hmm. Me is a guy that's going to fit very nicely. They have Kawan Short up front as well. They'll be a dynamic tandem together. Makes sense to me. Uh, that seems like a natural fit. And then uh, the Cardinals up next. Who do you got? Then so, pair him with DeAndre Hopkins mm-hmm. out there in the, uh, Arizona. So here's where my mock draft gets flipped on its head. I think the Cardinals, we all know about their offseason acquisition of Hopkins, and we'll dig a lot more into that in another episode. However, the Cardinals now only have two top 100 selections in this year's draft, and that's not very good for a team that ranked 31st in their defensive efficiency and has a bunch of other outlying needs if they really want to be a competing team. So mm-hmm. I Cardinals trading out of that pick to the Falcons, the Atlanta Falcons, who picked number 16. Not too sure what the compensation is going to be, but it could include another first from a future year, maybe a couple seconds or something. But it's going to be a hefty increase considering that it's uh, moving up from a 16 to an 8. The Falcons are in need of a cornerback. They just lost Desmond Trufant, and they don't really have anyone else in the secondary. I've been hearing a lot of good things about C.J. Henderson, the cornerback out of Florida. I think this is going to be the first splash surprising trade of the draft. The the Atlanta Falcons trade up to number eight and select C.J. Henderson. It's a good pick. I like that pick. The uh, the Falcons definitely need playmakers on that defense. Mm-hmm. That's my thought. My thoughts exactly. And then the Jags at nine, man. Who do you got going to the Jags? They need some help all over the board. So the Jags are in a really interesting position here because all of us who have been following the Jaguars know the demise of their defense. We know that they've traded away A.J. Boye, Jalen Ramsey, Calais Campbell. They've had Telvin Smith retire. They've had a lot of things go wrong. They have Ngakia, who now wants a trade, and those are all key defensive players. However, I do not think at number nine they expected to have their choice of offensive linemen at this point in the draft. And given how much need for how much of a need for improvement there is in Jacksonville all over the board, I think they wind up going best player available here and take the O-lineman with the highest potential of the four big O-linemen by drafting Tristan Wirfs. Mm, interesting. It's going to be interesting to see in what order these tackles fall because i mean pretty much every mock draft i see it's a different order so we'll see the and order, then 
definitely a hard prediction. One thing I wanted to mention before we move on, the reason I think that eight was such a great spot for the Falcons is because the Jaguars have a clear need at cornerback, given the fact that they just traded away Jalen and A.J. Boye. That makes sense. That is my rationale behind them going to eight rather than a spot like 10, because I think that they'll view Jacksonville as a significant threat to take C.J. CJ, uh, Henderson, considering the need for that spot and on their team. So just wanted to so the Jaguars go worse. We're moving on here to number 10. So we got the Browns taken. Mm-hmm. So the Browns, this is my third projected trade of the draft. Third top 10 Another trade. trade. Mm-hmm. I have the Broncos, my Broncos, trading into the number 10 spot with the Browns. There are a couple ideas I have for trade compensation. I think that 15 and 46, our second round pick for 10, is a definite possibility. That seems right around the right value for a trade up in the, of that nature, five spots up in the mid-round. However, if they don't want to include the second this year, it might include some future picks, maybe one of our third rounders this year, because we have three third rounders. But aside yeah. from compensation, I think Denver's moving up. And although there's a definite argument that could be made for an offensive lineman, considering how poor Garrett Bowles has played since his first round draft status a few years ago, I think the Broncos take the first wide receiver off the board, ultimately my number one wide receiver on my big board, C.D. Lamb out of Oklahoma. I think it's a pick that makes a lot of sense. Yeah, he's yeah he's my number one wide receiver as well in a stacked receiver class. Mm-hmm. And uh, you know, of course, a lot of people like to match opposites and whatnot. You got a big guy like Corlin Sutton. Why not open the field with a speed guy like Henry Ruggs? I know there's been a lot of Ruggs to Broncos noise about a potential trade up for him. As a fan, maybe my bias is playing in, but I personally think that you go off the film rather than the combine statistics. CD's probably got the best hands in the draft. He's the biggest of the three big wide receivers. I think he's ultimately going to pose nightmares to defenses who have to choose whether or not they want to have their big guy or their big corner go up against Cortland or if they want to have him go up against CD. I think it's a good situation for Denver. Yeah, I feel that. Um, and then number 11, who you got the Jets taken? So the Jets... There could be an argument made here, especially considering that CD is just going off the board, that they might go wide receiver and start a trend. However, I think they're going to fill one of their biggest needs in getting an O-lineman. They're going to take Jedrick Wills, the uh, O-lineman out of Alabama. I think that he's likely the most polished of the four O-linemen currently, maybe the most pro-ready. He's going to become an immediate starter on the Jets, and that should be a good fit. Yeah, yeah. Something about those Alabama offensive linemen that seem to just be ready to go in the NFL from day one. Mm-hmm. I think um, that's what you're looking for, too. Yeah, for sure. And then uh, the Raiders, who got the Raiders taken at so, 12? So the Raiders, I think they're extremely fortunate here, and their their head office is going to be going bonkers during that 11 pick because I'm sure they want their guy Jerry Judy here at number 12 out of Alabama. He's arguably the number one wide receiver. He's the number one on a lot of people's boards. I could see why he's definitely the most polished route runner. However, I ultimately think that he's going to be falling to 12 and the Raiders are going to scoop him up here and they're going to be thrilled about it. Yeah, man. Judy's going to be special for sure. I definitely wouldn't want him in my division. Mm -hmm. Uh, Moving on, who you got taken at 13? So at 13, I have the San Francisco 49ers taking the replacement for DeForest Buckner and Javon Kinlaw out of South Carolina. He's a stud. He's a little unpolished compared to some of the other prospects on, in this draft on defense. However, the potential is clear. He has the sky's the limit for the kid. He's going to fill in into an incredibly fortunate spot 
given the fact that the 49ers have the best defense in the league. He's going to have a ton of other guys on the front seven to help him get good looks. And he's going to be able to be a day one contributor and a potentially a day one starter. I think he would be if they picked him in the first round. So Kinlaw makes a lot of sense to me as a Buckner replacement for the Niners. Yeah, that makes sense. They use that pick to replace Buckner. Makes a lot of sense. And then uh, who you got uh, Tampa Bay picking to pair up with Tom Brady? So the Bucks at 14 are in a really interesting situation. They just signed Tom Brady, a 42-year-old, and they definitely want to protect him. And they have a you know an unforeseen selection of offensive tackles, considering that Andrew Thomas and Mekhi Becton are both on the board here. However, I think they're going to go for the more plug-in day one starter in Andrew Thomas. I think Thomas is going to be able to contribute more this season, and they have a short window to capitalize given Brady's age and the firepower that he currently has on the offense with Godwin, Mike Evans, and OJ Howard all on reasonable contracts. I think Andrew Thomas is the play here. For sure. That makes a lot of sense. Uh, I've I've heard he's the most pro-ready as well, him or Wills. Mm -hmm. So that leads us into the 15th pick, initially the Broncos pick. I had, of course, the Browns trading down from number 10. The Browns are in a very interesting spot. A lot of cases could be made. However, one thing that should be noted is that Baker Mayfield struggled a ton last season, and they had a very poor O-line, despite the fact that they had Nick Chubb, who had a very good statistical season. Now, they've signed Jack Conklin to be their left tackle, I believe. Maybe right tackle, I'm not sure. And then they also signed Austin Hooper to come in as a tight end. I think they go and get their offensive tackle to play opposite side Jack Conklin and go and get Makai Becton. He's got the biggest frame out of any of the big four O-linemen in this draft. He's like 6'7", and he's, his potential's through the roof. If he can get the fundamentals together and the footwork and the technique under the right coaching scheme, he could end up being the best offensive tackle of all of the offensive tackles in the draft class. Yeah, for sure. He's got a lot of potential. I saw some article that said some scouts are concerned because he loves eating more than he loves football. <laughs> So we'll see how that goes. Big guy. He's a big guy. But I I'm, I'm, think that's a steal, honestly, for the Browns at 15. I don't think most people I think so, for sure. make it to 15. And I think they'll happily select him there. Yeah. Who you got at 16? So at, the, at 16, I had the Falcons trading up to 8, right. which right. means the Cardinals are now going to be selecting 16th. I think the Cardinals, the Cardinals have a lot of needs, and I think they would have loved to snag Mackay Becton if they could. However, the fact that they only had two top 100 picks wasn't enough to stay at eight to get him. I think they're ultimately okay selecting Kelevon Chason from LSU, the edge rusher. Although it doesn't fill their immediate need of getting a tackle, I think they're happy to take a defensive player to contribute in the linebacker area. They don't really have many stars on their defense. They have Chandler Jones on one side rushing the passer. I think he'd be a great plug-and-play to go opposite Chandler Jones. And they're really a team that has a lot of room to improve. I think they had the 31st-ranked defensive efficiency this year, so there's obvious, uh, obviously a glaring hole on their defense, or a few holes to say the least. So Yeah, they definitely need some playmakers over there other than Chandler Jones. Mm-hmm. And then uh, who do you got those scumbag Cowboys taking at 17? So it came out today, before I get into the pick, I'll make it quick, but Jamal Adams, a lot of trade noise surrounding him. Also, sorry, sorry to cut you off, but no offense to Cowboys fans, but they're the scumbag Cowboys. It just has to be said. No offense. Though. Keep going. All right. Well, I couldn't disagree more aside from Chiefs fans. So we got the Cowboys here. The Cowboys have been known to have interest in safeties, big name safeties that are on the trade block in the league. There was known interest about for uh, regarding Earl Thomas. That never ended up coming to fruition, despite, you know, a lot of noise surrounding that. 
and they've been trying to eye down a safety for a while now. I could see this as a potential trade pick to the Jets if the Jets are looking to offload Jamal Adams. It's certainly a valuable pick. And with that being said, I have the Cowboys selecting Xavier McKinney from Alabama, the safety, ultimately my number one safety in the draft class. I think that if they can't get a deal done, they're going to go first round safety here with McKinney and get their guy. But I also see Jamal Adams in the cards here if the Jets are willing to accept an offer of that nature. So we'll see. Yeah, I definitely hope neither of those things happen, but we'll see for sure. And then uh, the Dolphins, who got the Dolphins taken with the pick from uh, Minka? Yeah, so this is the second pick of the Dolphins' three first-round selections. I think they're going to be ecstatic at the fact that Henry Ruggs III from Alabama, Tua's wide receiver from college, has slipped all the way to the May 18. I think Mm -hmm. it's a fit here. There's obvious needs on both sides of the ball for Miami. However, Henry Ruggs and Tua have an already established chemistry that will be able to merge right into the Dolphins' offense. In addition to that, Henry Ruggs is a near-polar opposite of emerging wide receiver Devontae Parker, who should only help expand that offense. Mike Jacecki's also become a great player in the Dolphins' offense, considering, you know, how poor they were initially. I think this is a great situation for them. Yeah, quick shout-out to Devontae Parker. He single-handedly won me a couple fantasy football championships. As did he with me, so I'm happy for him. Congrats on the deal, Devontae. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Big money. Get that bag. Um, Then who we got the Raiders taking. Or no, the Raiders traded up, right? Well, actually, no. Raiders, have, they have two picks. Oh, this is the one from the Bears. Yeah, this is the 19th pick. So here I have them taking Jordan Love. It was actually really hard to come to this decision because they're very poor on defense. They had the last defensive efficiency ranking in the NFL. However, I think that they're not entirely settled at the quarterback position. I think that Mar- Marcus Mariota certainly has potential. I don't see him as a long-term answer. And Mayock even acknowledged the other day the fact that he's a development project and that he's going to need some time in their system. Derek Carr's window is sh- certainly closing, despite the fact that I don't think he's that bad. But he certainly isn't the future from the looks of it. This opens the door to Jordan Love, who is a prime candidate in my mind for a redshirt season. I think even though I don't really like Jordan Love as a prospect, if a team were to draft him, he's the exact type of quarterback you would want to take a Mahomes approach with and have him sit on the bench for a year, learn the ways similarly to how Mahomes did with Alex Smith, and hopefully they can come in in their second year and, you know, exceed expectations. For sure. I mean, I feel like they, I don't know, I feel like they should stick with Derek Carr for at least another year or two, but I've heard a lot of talk about that. We'll see what they do, though. Mm And then um, number 20, who do you got the Jags taking with the pick from the Rams? So I've already mentioned this when we were discussing the Jags at number nine. They have a lot of holes, and they addressed O-linemen in the first in the first pick at number nine when they took Wirfs. This makes me think that they're going to go defense here. They have you know obvious outliers in their linebacker core, considering the fact that Telvin Smith just retired and Gawke, a pass rusher, is going to be leaving. They also lost some power up front with Calais. So I think Patrick Queen should help out there, the linebacker of LSU. Yeah, that seems like a good fit. He uh, he definitely seems like he'll be able to make an impact uh, day one in the NFL. Mm-hmm. I was thinking about corners here. However, CJ Henderson's already off the board. I don't know if they're going to take a jump on some of the other corners available, like Fulton or Terrell. However, those guys go pretty short, pretty soon. So I'll be getting into them in a moment. Yeah, for sure. I, I mean, kind of just got to go BPA at that point with those multiple picks. Yep. And all the holes. Um, moving on, who you got the Eagles taking? I know the first three receivers are gone, which I'd be thankful for. My most obvious pick of the mock draft, the Eagles are going to be thrilled if it does work out this way. If they can get Justin Jefferson from LSU, the wide receiver at number 21, 
I think it's a fantastic situation for them. Jefferson has proven his high ceiling by scoring four touchdowns in one of the biggest stages in college football. He's mm-hmm. aside from that big game, he's been a stud all year. He's worked his way into, you know, mid first round conversation. He's been a trade up candidate. If they can end up snagging him at 21 though, you know, that'll be a party in Philly all over again. Yeah. I, I guess I wouldn't want that either. Hopefully the top four wide receivers go before Philly's back. Moving on who you got, uh, the Vikings taken with the pick from Diggs. Yeah, so the Vikings have two picks in the in, within four. Sorry, within four picks of each other, they have the twenty second pick and the twenty fifth pick. So mm. this twenty second pick here, I think they're going to address their d- first major defensive need at the cornerback position. Just lost Xavier Rhodes via release as he had a considerably large down year this year. They're going to take out of LSU Christian Fulton. This was a hard decision to come up with. It was either him or A.J. Terrell for me. I ultimately went with Fulton because I think he has the championship behind him, which helps. He played in a big game, and he succeeded in the big game, which ends up going a long way when you look at first-round projections and how certain guys can get an edge over other guys. I think Fulton's going to be the pick here. No, that makes sense. Um, and then one that people are really looking forward to see what they do, who you got the Patriots taken, possibly the replacement for Tom Brady. I guess not. The quarterbacks are off the board. It's always tough to guess what the Pats are going to do. One of the most unpredictable teams in the league. To keep it short on the Pats, I like to think Belichick maintains the same approach as me in the sense that the film is much more valuable. Are you saying you're a better coach than or no, you're, or you're no. the same level? Yes, you're like the same level. Now, okay. <laughs> now I hope he, uh, I hope he maintains the mindset. Or I'd like to think that he maintains the mindset that the film is more important than the combine statistics. So, despite the fact that AJ Epinosa, the edge rusher out of Iowa, had a horrible combine didn't put up the numbers anyone expected which dropped his projected status into some people have him as a mid-second rounder i think his film depicts him as a top three edge rusher in this draft i think belichick will recognize the fact that he's put that production onto tape and that he's going to be a very successful player in the patriots scheme if they're able to get their hands on him i think he's a good fit given the lack of pass rush the patriots currently have we all know about their defensive dominance, but they really only have high tower on defense in the front seven coming back this year. I think that pick makes sense. Yeah, for sure. That's, I mean, any player, you just got to do your job in New England. That's the name of the game. Um, who you got the Saints taken at 24? I think the Saints are going to be happy to add cornerback A.J. Terrell out of Clemson into their secondary here. In short, they've had defensive struggles that have led them to, you know, miss important playoff opportunities these past couple of years, specifically against Minnesota, which was entirely on the secondary. So a lot has happened since then, to give the Saints some credit. They've maintained a lot of their core offensive pieces, aside from Mark Ingram. However, their defense has gone under a bit of a transformation. They still have Marshall Lattimore. They took a trial on Eli Apple last season, which didn't go so well, but they have Janoris Jenkins coming into this season. And then they also signed Malcolm Jenkins. I think adding your third, your third cornerback in A.J. Terrell is a great way of preparing yourself for the modern NFL. I'm sure you know you know a ton about the transition and overall progression in the NFL to move towards three wide receiver sets, which ultimately you know warrants a slot cornerback as your third cornerback. So having three corners is only beneficial in today's game. Yeah, it's kind of bugging me how the Saints just kind of keep taking our uh, our corners once they burn out in New York, and we either cut them or trade them or for nothing. <laughs> I could definitely see Terrell and Lattimore becoming foundational pieces of that secondary. And Malcolm Jenkins and, J- and Janoris Jenkins are definitely going to help, you know, 
help them flourish and develop leadership qualities and all that. They're going to be good. Yeah, Malcolm Jenkins will help more in the locker room, for sure, more than anything. Um, Vikings at 25. Who do you got their second pick in these four or five picks? So as I hinted at 22, the Vikings defense has taken a significant decline these past couple years. They have lost Xavier Rhodes. In addition to that, they've lost Everson Griffin, who's currently a free agent. And he was a key element of their defense on the pass rush. They have Daniil Hunter on one side. I think they go and get Yutur Gross-Matus, the edge rusher out of Penn State, to go fill in the other side. It's Gross-Matus. 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 Okay. You know, they, they have a need at wide receiver. Sure, I heard that correctly. <laughs> the wide receiver is a glaring need as well, considering the fact that they traded Diggs to get this pick. Or maybe it was the previous pick, the 22nd pick. But um, they only have Thielen. However, there's a lot of depth in the mid-rounds. I think they address it there. Yep, for sure. Um, 26, the Dolphins pick from Houston. What do you got here? Last so, Dolphins pick of the three in the first round. This is tough because we were talking earlier about a running back potentially being a fit to the Dolphins here, considering the fact that they don't have a running back. Mm-hmm. As I brought up to you, the Dolphins have the 39th pick in the second round, which will likely get you one of the star running backs. Maybe not your choice of them, but almost certainly will get you one of the big four, if not big three. Mm-hmm. However, I think they're going to address the defense here. They have, you know, significant holes on the defense. They've invested a lot in the secondary in Miami. They have the two highest paid cornerbacks in the league in Xavier yeah. Howard and Byron Jones. I think they go and get inside linebacker Kenneth Murray out of Oklahoma. Yeah, that seems like a good fit. I mean, they kind of just need some more playmakers on the front seven in that defense, kind of something to get some pressure and cover the middle. Um, Seahawks at 27. Who do you got them taking? Big pick for them. So I wanted to mention this because you brought it up to me earlier. and I know you're going to be upset if I don't bring it up. Sherm has a bet. Seven, more than six, six and a half. Yeah, yeah. yeah it's, my, it's my favorite NFL draft uh, prop bet. Oh, over six and a half offensive linemen taken in the first round. So I only have five in my mock draft, but here's the fifth. I have the Seahawks taking Austin Jackson out of USC. I think ultimately he's a better prospect right now than Josh Jones, who is another O-lineman that I've been seeing get first round buzz. I think he'll be more of a plug-and-play guy in Seattle, and they run the ball a lot. Two seasons ago, Seattle ran it the most in the NFL, over 50% of their plays. Last season, they were second behind the 49ers. I think this is going to contribute to their a key foundation of their offensive scheme and should be an immediate contributor as well. Yeah, the Seahawks offensive line has had some holes too with them even having all the success in the run game. So that would definitely be a good fit. Um the Ravens at 28, who do you got the Ravens adding to the already stacked roster? The Ravens' defense was phenomenal last season. I'm not going to take anything away from them. However, losing C.J. Mosley was key. He was a foundational element of their defense. I think they're going to fill a linebacker need and add Zach Bond out of Wisconsin. He just had a diluted sample that came in a few days ago, actually. It was reported that he drank too much water before the combine, and it was an attempt to gain weight. What do you think of that? too much water you know that's classic i like him to the ravens here because they do have a need in the linebacker area specifically guys that can rush the passer however i'd watch the cowboys as a trade-up candidate anytime you see red flags about drug use the cowboys are always in play for a trade-up so Swoop I in. A potential spot for the cowboys we'll yeah. the ravens for now though yeah for sure um and then the titans at 29 who do you got joining the titans mike variable in the the Titans, the Titans are going to go and take the fifth wide receiver off the board. 
a late riser in the draft process. He's really impressed me ever since I turned on his tape. Brandon Ayuk out of Arizona State, a very skilled wide receiver. The reason I like him to the Titans specifically, I think he complements a guy like A.J. Brown really well. Big body, runs hard, and A.J. Brown's been known as a power guy in the league, despite mm-hmm. him only being a rookie last year. He ran through a lot of people. He's a big body, and he's a definite key piece of the future of the Titans' offense. Corey Davis, on the other hand, their other wide receiver has been largely a bust, and he was more of their smaller, shiftier wide receiver. I think Ayuk's a great route runner. He'll fill in and help open up the field for a guy like A.J. Brown, and ultimately, I think that's a duo that will complement each other nicely. Yeah, that would be a scary duo and good weapons for Tannehill to have at his disposal for sure. Um, and then a team that I think is going to have a really good year in the NFL again, the Packers at 30, but this is a big pick. Who do you got them taking? So the Packers was an interesting one. I have them taking Ross Blacklock, the defensive tackle out of Texas Christian University. I think that Blacklock is a top 20 player in terms of his big board status. He has some character issues that no need to get into them. However, this is the reason I don't, because to be honest with you, I don't even really know what it's all about. I just read that he has character issues. There's not a lot of clarity. Fair. Just character issues. Some guy probably just walked in, didn't like his face. He's like, ah, this guy's got character issues. He's incredibly skilled. And the Packers are really good on offense and don't really have any glaring needs. And if they do, such as tight end, those can be addressed in the later rounds. I think they're going to go and buff up the D-line here. Blacklock's a great player, definite first-round talent. He should step in immediately and be a great player for the Packers. That's interesting. Texas Christian, that's TCU, isn't it? Yep. Mm-hmm. I, I don't hear a lot of people not a lot of people refer to it as texas christian university you know what i'm saying isn't that what it is or no i mean yeah but you know i've i don't know i, I always hear like tcu you know what i mean You're, yeah okay out of tcu anyway so- texas christian university moving on <laughs> who do we got at 31 the 49ers taken see this is a really interesting pick because they had the 13th pick and they had their choice of taking rugs there they chose to take kinlaw on my mock addressing the the gap that Buckner left. And now we're going to address the gap that Emmanuel Sanders left. I think that they're going to go and take T. Higgins, the big body wide receiver out of Clemson. He's a national championship winner who has a proven winning mindset given that. And he also has a tremendous story. I don't know if anyone read his Players' Tribune about his mother and dealing with homelessness. He's a really good guy. And I do believe in his character. I believe in his work ethic. I think ultimately he'll work past the injury history that he's had. And the reason I think he's a good fit for the Niners is that he's really going to help open up their offense. They don't really have a big body wide receiver like the Titans have, like an A.J. Brown, how I was referring to earlier. The Niners have a guy like Debo Samuel, who is pretty much the definition of your Swiss Army knife. He takes sweeps, he runs, he does pretty much anything you want from wide receiver. Yeah, for sure. However, I think T. Higgins will definitely help open up the field for a guy like Debo because he's going to be able to go make big leaping catches, the 50-50 balls, things like that that they didn't really have in their offense, which should take some pressure off of their running game as well, which was obviously huge last season. Yeah, I mean, that would be good for Jimmy G too because obviously losing Emmanuel Sanders, that's midseason acquisition, but still, you know, he had some good production when he was there for the little short span. Um, and then last pick of the first round, the Chiefs. Who do you got the Chiefs taken? Last the Super Bowl pick. champion, Kansas City Chiefs. Oh, my God. The Super Bowl champion Chiefs. Shoot me. So the Chiefs have a pretty good a pretty good selection of options here. And I've really been weighing two. I wasn't able to select one. I figure I'll give them both to you. We'll see what ends up happening. I think that DeAndre Swift, running back out of Georgia, could be a great fit here. 
I don't have him as my number one running back, but I've heard that he's a great fit for the Chiefs scheme based off some research that I've done. I could see him being number one on their big board. In addition to that, there's been obviously a lot of rumblings about Chiefs running backs and their injury history in the past. Although Damien Williams was a stud in the playoffs last year and won Super Bowl MVP, he was rather non-existent in the regular season. And it's up for interpretation how confident they are in him being their lead running back. I think that bringing in a guy like Swift to compliment Damien Williams would be great. However, they might end up going in a different direction and bring in a veteran like McCoy, who, you know, has already expressed his interest in, you know, playing for a winning team. So that's one pick. I think it could happen. Another one is Trevon Diggs, the corner out of Alabama. That is, to put it simply put, you know, that is the weakest spot of the Chiefs team. They've, mm-hmm. they've had shortcomings in their cornerback rooms ever since I've been in, ever since the 2015 season, since Denver was winning. And they haven't really addressed it significantly. They added Teron Matthew, who's a fantastic safety, and they've buffed up the front seven a good amount. Their offense is unbelievably good. However, their corners are definitely struggling. Trevon Diggs has first-round talent. He should fill that nicely. And that concludes my mock. Yeah, for sure. I mean, for running back, uh, I know a lot of people have DeAndre Swift as the number one running back, but... I feel like if a team like the Chiefs take a running back in the first round, which they definitely could at this pick, I feel like it'll kind of be a back kind of like a J.K. Dobbins that can do everything, put cast patches out of the back, catch passes out of the backfield. Thanks for reminding me. The reason I actually picked Swift here, I read Swift is a very good pass catching running back. Based oh, on, he is? Yeah, based on the film, I've yeah. seen confirms that. However, I haven't dug in enough to give you an honest, you know, proper evaluation i do hear he's one of the better pass catching backs in the draft that's fair i didn't watch a lot of georgia this season but deandre swift has been a staple there for a minute i guess it just depends which need they want to address because in my opinion as someone who's watched a ton of chiefs games just because i have to they're lacking in the cornerback area if i was in the chiefs management room or in their front office i would definitely be making the case for a corner here yeah because i do think DeAndre Swift would help and he might end up going to the Chiefs there I think that that is a glaring weak spot of their team that even you know despite of them winning the Super Bowl this year I think it was pretty obvious throughout their games that that was a weak spot that you know wasn't really sustainable moving forward so I could see corner yeah no that makes sense well that was a uh, yeah no good job I feel like uh we'll have to check and see if this will be better than Todd McShay's you know that's a bold claim you know he's been doing it for a while but have to check and see. Mm-hmm. It's uh, it's Friday, April 17th. I'm sure we didn't mention that at the beginning because we wouldn't have thought to mention that at the beginning. <laughs> the draft is on like April 23rd. It's six days from now. From oh. now until then, we're planning on having a few guests on, doing a bunch more mock drafts. Sherm's going to hit you with his mock draft next episode. Yeah, the mock draft's in the lab right now. I'm cooking it up. And it should be a lot of fun. We're looking forward to getting into it. Hopefully, we can get some different perspectives from anyone. And if you're listening to it and you've and listening to this and you've made it this far, if you have any interest in coming on here and discussing some topics with us, if you have any recommendations, feel free to DM either one of us, and we'd love to chat it up. Thank you very much for listening. Yeah, for sure. Thanks for coming to hang out, guys, and tuning in. All right, take care, everybody, and see you next time.